understanding what defines borderline personality and recognizing that there is this I hate you don't leave me kind of aspect to it where you know one minute we're getting along fine and all of a sudden a sudden outburst of rage over a comment that seems somewhat innocuous a time to go from laughing to suddenly crying and, and feeling worthless, those kinds of things. Person with borderline personality seems to see things in extremes of black or white, right or wrong, good or bad. And that kind of makes their view of the world difficult because there isn't much gray anywhere. Dear young married couple, have you ever found yourself in a relationship with a spouse or family member who has intense mood swings or shifts in behavior and you find it incredibly difficult to be in a relationship with them and you just don't know what to do? Well, we have a podcast episode for you. We had the privilege of interviewing the author of a very popular and helpful book called I Hate You, Don't Leave Me. And it's all about understanding the borderline personality. So Dr. Jerry Kreisman is with us today. He's a psychiatrist. Um, graduated from Cornell University Medical College and teaches um, at St. Louis University now. Um, and he, he's written many books. Um, just that one is the most popular one, but we will share all of his books in the show notes with you. And he really helps us not only understand borderline personality disorder in this episode, but also how to talk with a loved one who has borderline and how to live with someone who has borderline. So you're really in for a very helpful conversation that will equip you if you find yourself um, in a relationship with a loved one who has borderline personality disorder. Yeah, stick around toward the end and he gives a very practical and easily applicable tool uh, to help you have these conversations with them. So you're going to like this. Let's listen. Welcome, Dr. Kreisman, to the podcast. Thanks so much for being with us today. Welcome. Um, I'm delighted to be with you. Uh, we're a big fan of your work and we're very grateful for all of your contributions, specifically um, a book that we've recommended to many clients over the years, and that is I Hate You, Don't Leave Me. Talk to us about that book title and why it is so important for describing borderline personality disorder. I think the book uh, title tends to summarize kind of the opposite kinds of feelings that people with borderline personality uh, exhibit. And much of it is related to a mechanism that's referred to as splitting. A person with borderline personality seems to see things in extremes of black or white, right or wrong, good or bad. And that kind of makes their view of the world difficult because there isn't much gray anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, their perception of a person, for example, is there's good good bill and there's bad bill. And when when the, when the mind is that it's good bill, any criticism will be dismissed. But if for some reason that person begins to flip over to the bad bill, then nothing good about them can ever happen. And so mm -hmm. people with borderline personality tend to have, because of that splitting, um, defining criteria such as severe mood swings that are related to what people say to them or what's going on in their life the minute they can go from euphoric to suicidal in the time it takes to get from the kitchen to the dining room. Mm. Um, mm. They have difficulties with their sense of identity, a sense of feeling that they um, have a consistency. They can be very chameleon-like. 
They can be Democrat when they're with Democrats and Republicans when they're with Republicans. But mm -hmm. when it's two o'clock in the morning and they're by themselves, they're not sure what their values and such are. Mm -hmm. They can be impulsive uh, in self-damaging ways. They can um, be suicide, threaten suicide or attempt suicide. They yeah. can be self-damaging in terms of cutting on themselves or burning themselves. Um, and they have tremendous difficulties in interpersonal relationships. Mm. Talk about that. That's one of the biggest folks, foci, I think, um, that happens is because of this difficulty of, of seeing nuances, of being able to love somebody and yet see their faults and be discouraged by those faults, but without it interfering in their love, as opposed to whipsawing back and forth to the good and the bad. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that back and forth swing or splitting, people often get confused and, and think through, because of pop psychology that they are experiencing bipolar disorder. Can you talk about the differences between bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder? Yes. Bipolar disorder is characterized by mood changes that usually last you sometimes as little as days, perhaps, but more often weeks or months uh -huh. of periods of mania, of periods of depression, and in between periods of euphoria, of, of, um, of normal moods. Mm -hmm. uh, borderline personality is this back and forth that can change in a matter of minutes and is usually related to something going on in their life. That may happen in bipolar, but not necessarily. And genetically, there have been studies that show that individuals and the, the genetic underpinnings of both disorders are different. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So is it um, something that you would say you find in a genogram like that, you know, if someone experiences borderline personality disorder, that they probably have someone else in their history? Um, like so hereditary? Yeah. Like in their family timeline that has BPD as yeah, well. Yeah. A relative with, with borderline personality will have another relative, the likelihood four times the general population. And bipolar will be, has a different genographic look to it. Okay. Yeah. Now, they can be comorbid. People with borderline personality frequently have another dis disorder with it. It can be depression, anxiety frequently. It can even be bipolar disorder as well. Okay. It can be ADHD because uh, those people also tend to be impulsive and destructive and moody and mm -hmm. have some similar kind of characteristics. Right. Yeah. Mm. So I think the what I'm hearing from you and what I've understood before is that one of the primary differentiating factors is that BPD is more relational. It's often based on something going on in their life or relationships, um, whereas um, bipolar is strictly a mood disorder that isn't as often based on what's going on in their life, but more of the imbalance in the brain. Uh, as a general rule. Yes. Okay. okay. Although I, I, that's not to say that borderline personality doesn't also have biological uh, correlations as well. Mm -hmm. There are, um, are studies showing that there are differences in the connections between certain parts of the brain, the emotional parts of the brain deeper in the brain substance and the prefrontal cortex, which is more the decision-making mm -hmm. side. So there, there are biological mm -hmm changes in, in borderline personality, just as is observed with, with uh, bipolar and other psychiatric illnesses. Ah, okay. 
Yeah, so fascinating. And it's so fast. So how how do you like spot this in like let's say we have a family member that is just hard to deal with relationally, or let's say in your marriage, um, you're just having difficulty and you're wondering, ah, is this is this bipolar? What what is this? Is this um, borderline? How would you go about spotting that? Well, I think understanding what defines borderline personality. It's one of the 10 defined personality disorders that are generally accepted and recognizing that these, that uh, there is this, I hate you, don't leave me kind of aspect to it where, you know, one minute we're getting along fine and all of a sudden there isn't a sudden outburst of rage over a comment that seems somewhat innocuous um, would, would be a, an understanding. Um, a time to go from laughing to suddenly crying and, and feeling worthless, those kinds of things. Mm. And, un, and, and, and I guess the shifts in, un, in demands on other people might, rec- might say that this is something that may make difficulty. Um, the term borderline personality has a kind of a negative, there's been a stigma about, about the, that disorder mm-hmm. um, for many, many years. Um, certainly, um, if you ask uh, most mental health professionals, what person with a diagnosis is coming into your office and you don't want, yeah. they won't say schizophrenia, they won't say bipolar, they'll say, oh my God, don't give me someone with borderline personality because <laughs> they are thought to be untreatable, difficult, demanding, never get better, mm-hmm. uh, all of which isn't true. Right. It's important to recognize that 90% over time do uh, get better to the mm. degree that their defining criteria no longer would would fit the diagnosis of, of borderline personality. So, and yeah. people are intelligent and creative and uh, intriguing, uh, interesting people. They're not all, you know, demanding, horrible people, but many of, and they can be very successful, but many of these people have often have difficulty in relationships Mm -hmm. in some of the demands and the back and forth that, uh, they exhibit to other people. Hmm. Yeah. So of course, for the person that's listening to this, that may have it, of course they need to get treatment (laughs) or read your book first, maybe. Um, but then maybe for the people that have someone in their life, like say it's a spouse or a family member or parents, how do you go about living with someone that has these, that has this, this uh, personality? Uh, well, that's certainly the, the, uh, uh, the substance of, of one of my other books that's based called talking to a loved one with borderline personality. And that sort of looks at typical kind of dilemmas of how to deal with it. You know, mm-hmm. for example, uh, so often you're sort because of the splitting issues, you're sort of in this damned if you do and damned if you don't kind of situation. Uh, does this dress make me look thinner? Okay. If I say <laughs> yes, then aha, you think I'm fat. And if I say no, well, you're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. I once was seeing a couple where the wife was saying, you never show me affection, you never hug me. And the husband acknowledged that and said, I feel bad about that. And he hugged her and her response was, ouch, you hugged too tight. Um, <laughs> so there's this kind of no-win situation frequently mm. that's there. Yeah. One of the communication 
um, uh, approaches that that uh, we've developed over years is something that I've called uh, set. It isn't a treatment, it's just meant to set up actually. It's meant to be kind of a way of thinking about uh, communicating. With yeah, walk us through that set up. Um, well, the, the up part of set up is first of all, deciding there's a commitment in the relationship that you really wanna fix. And that's understanding and, and perseverance because it takes that. Um, but the set part is just is communications that as part of your um, interactions and one wants to exhibit to the to the other person um, the three elements of support, empathy, and trust and and truth uh, or reality. Um, mm. And communicating all three of those in an interaction with someone with borderline personality. Mm. The support communication is an I statement saying, I want to help you. It's about my dedication to making this, this work. Mm. The E is an expression of empathy, and that's a you statement. That's a recognition that in order for you to behave the way you're behaving, you must be in a lot of pain. You must be having a, under a lot of stress. And the, and the T, the truth part, is just taking into account the situation and what are our options? What can we really do about it? Mm. Um, keeping in mind the set system also gives you information and, and is a strategy to let you know what the other individual isn't hearing. So that if if the feedback you're getting is is you don't care about me you don't you you're going to leave me and that's expressing the, the the tendency in people with borderline to be very fearful of abandonment. Mm -hmm. um, when you're hearing those kind of statements, they're not getting the S part. So it becomes important to reinforce. Mm -hmm. I really want to try to be in here with you. I really want to try to help you. And when they're saying you can, you don't know what I'm going through, you don't understand what this is like, then that's a that's a suggestion. They're really not hearing the empathy part, the recognition of you understanding that they really are in pain, they're suffering. Yeah. Um, and so uh, one wants to kind of balance all three messages as kind of a strategy in any interaction. Um, mm. And and so you know so that for example, if we were talking about um, say a couple where um, the uh, um, there's so many examples uh, <laughs> a wife is is complaining about her husband traveling so much in work uh, and missing him very much uh, and saying there's nothing for her to do they've moved to a new city for his new job and he's always traveling and so he responds by saying um, this is important for my career and uh, and I have to be gone for these times. And, and she cries, you don't love me, you don't care about me. And so he says, well, you know, I could ask the boss about maybe stepping back and uh, and just not doing that and may, you know, be a cost cut. And then she responds, no, now you're guilting me. No, now you're, what will we do for money? Now you're, now you're laying all this on me and that's not mm -hmm. fair. So he gets angry and they get into a fight. So mm -hmm. if he were to use set there with her, he would first say, I, I want us to work this out. It's important. I don't want you to be unhappy. The empathy messages would be uh, acknowledging that this has been difficult for her, that that she this new move and her not having much to do and feeling lonely is important. The Then dealing with some of the reality things. There are some objective things he can do. He can 
buyer the college sweatshirt that they where they met and <laughs> she can smell that when he's gone he can he can take he can give her uh, anticipatory information i'm going to be mm. leaving on monday why don't we go out saturday night for dinner and mm. sunday we'll have some fun before i leave just so she's she's prepared for it. but the, and then the reality part saying let's sit down let's look over our finances let's see how we can kind of do that and if she mm. and if he she hears from him no, you're guilting me, you're, you don't really care about me, that means she's not hearing the support side. If she's saying, no, you can't understand what this is like, this is never going to work, mm. uh, I'm too lonely about this, I'm, you'd be better off without me, I ought to just leave, then he's, she's not, he's not uh, needing to emphasize more the empathy side of things. Okay. So good. Do you find hmm. that the support and empathy, when done properly and thoroughly, often help the person with BPD to receive the truth side, to really work on the practicals, the tangibles? I think if, if it feels like they're receiving it and are gaining some insight with that, yes, I think it is. Okay. Now, sometimes people kind of shy away from the truth side of it. And if it's um, um, if, if support and empathy without any truth can, can lead to problems later on because right. they're not dealing with you know yes i care mm -hmm. and this is all this kind of stuff but somewhere down the road they're not dealing with the reality of kind of issues and the behaviors are going to continue yeah. truth without support and empathy is sort of a perversion of tough love where you know you know shape up you know you've got you've got to just pull it together kind of right. stuff that's going to go nowhere either mm -hmm. so good so you really need the balance of those I think, in trying to get some move toward a resolution. It's a great model. That is a very good model. And I see it very helpful, like in the moment working, if you live with someone. What about like when they're a parent or like- Or an in-law. Or an in-law mm -hmm. or, or a, you know, someone in your family. Um, is it important that they realize that they have it? Or do you just kind of start setting your boundaries? Like what's the- What's the protocol in your mind for this to maintain that relationship? It's, it's really an individualized kind of thing, depending uh, uh, on the person. Actually dealing with that are some of the examples that I have in the Talking to a Loved One book. Um, uh, but I, I think um, in, in some cases, it's really important and, and enlightening when for the more sophisticated individual that they either read about or begin to understand, oh my gosh, I, I understand. There's a name for what I have. Mm -hmm. Because for many people, it's very frustrating where they're feeling that uh, I have these mood changes and I get angry, I'm way out of proportion. And, and um, understanding that there's a name for it, that there's, there's, there are a variety of several treatment approaches for it is, uh, is enlightening for them. For other people, it is seen as you're just putting a label on me mm. and uh, you're just saying I'm mentally ill and I'm crazy and uh, uh, then it's not particularly helpful. Mm -hmm. Okay. So talk to us about the difference then in like what we talked about before with the support, empathy, truth, the setup. Um, when you're working with a spouse, you're having these you know reassuring conversations with a spouse versus... Like say, um, you know, an in-law or a parent of, of an adult child is being really um, demanding, doing the back and forth thing, you know, the splitting. Um, 
how would you go about setting up boundaries with a parent who seems to have symptoms of borderline? And in a typical kind of thing like that, you would have, say, a maybe the widowed father or mother uh, demanding uh, from the person, you don't care about me, you're not coming to visit me, you don't call me enough, and, and that sort of thing. Being able to, again, apply the support parts. The empathy parts, I think, is really important in those situations, mm -hmm. recognizing that I know it's been hard for your mom since dad died. Um, it's been difficult not, not having friends around. You know, perhaps you've recommended joining certain clubs, but she dismisses that and mm. you know, says, that's mm. not for me. And, the, and all my neighbors are stupid and nobody likes me and all that okay. kind of thing. Um, reinforcing that is really important. But the truth part then, then comes in is being able to say, I really, you know, putting in the support and empathy. And I think it is really important for me to be be with you and we're every Tuesday night we're going to go out to dinner mm -hmm. and I am going to give you a quick phone call every day to make sure you're you're doing okay and that's about what I'm going to be able to do and making it very clear now one of the things about setting boundaries with truth is the most important part of that is to be uh, being able to be truthful with mm -hmm. with that mm. being able to, to stick to that Yes. The worst, but the worst thing you can do is let those boundaries be porous and to kind, because yeah. uh, then you're going to continue to get the challenging. Mm -hmm. It's really important to do that. So when she says, "Well, I need you to come over Saturday to fix to fix the light uh, in the garage," and saying, "Well, you know, I'm going to come over Tuesday like usual. Um, if it's really bad, I can call an electrician and have somebody come over. But no, I'm not going to be able to come over on Saturday. I'm going to stick to what we've been doing." Mm. Um, that's really the, the, the truth part, uh, in setting boundaries, the most important part is really sticking with it. And the worst thing you can do is threaten and, and that I'm not going to do this anymore, or this is what we're going to do without the, without really thinking through what it is and why it's important. If you're going to set boundaries to make them as sort of realistic as you can yes, uh, to say, well, that's it. I'm going to call you once a week and forget about it. Um, mm. knowing that that's, you know, that's never going to happen, but mm. it is, it's better to kind of give what you can give, what you can give as yeah. realistic as you can, you know, doing the right thing in your mind that you can live with and then sticking to it Right. as liberal as you can with it. Mm. Mm. That's really good. So good. And of course, it's the same thing dealing with, with adolescence and of yes. course, the phrase borderline adolescent sounds like a redundancy since, <laughs> since adolescents are dealing with issues of identity and yes. things and, uh, and interpersonal relations and all the things yeah. there. But yeah. there is a difference. There's a difference. Um, uh, normal adolescents get angry and slam a door and borderline adolescents, you know, pull the plugs out of the wall and go, um, go get drugs and, um, mm do much more impulsive things but there again setting setting kind of the limits that you can sit to and seeing them seeing them through yeah. sometimes it helps to kind of use other techniques with adolescents sometimes predicting and uh, quotes is helpful being able to when when the when the 15 year old says well i'm going to run away instead of sort of fighting with them um being able to say, oh, I really wish you wouldn't do that because you know how this comes out. Like it'll be like last time. You run away, and we have to call the police, and the police bring you in. You have to go back in the hospital. Are you sure you want to really do all that again? Because 
people with borderline personality oftentimes are living in the right now and they really don't see the consequences of what mm. uh, the, their actions are. Right. And that again is what the truth statements can, can add to it, being able to, to sort of go through what are the possibilities of your behavior um, so that uh, that can be helpful. Sometimes it's helpful to sometimes in some cases um, to, to even be paradoxical uh, with people when, when they've done things over and over and fail and, and keep sort of setting you up to, to, in, to encourage them to do it again. Sometimes being able to say, well, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe you should drop out of school. Um, I guess you, you know, you could get a job and see how that goes because you know, they're ready to fight with you. Mm-hmm. Um, this, not just with an adolescent, this might be with, you know, dealing with somebody else as well. Sure. Uh, and somehow kind of pulling the, pulling the opposite side and getting mm-hmm. them to think, well, oh yeah, well, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I won't drop out of school. Yeah. Maybe that's not a bad idea. You know, you can get a job and, uh, and, you know, once that, starts to kick in or they even go get the job and find out you know making this minimum wage thing is getting kind of boring sometimes that sort of lessens it as well Mm -hmm. that's so helpful because it's like instead of fighting them which is really a lose-lose it's really just flowing like empathetically reasoning with them and helping them see okay here are the gray areas of what you're seeing in black and white, let's think about that. Let's talk about that mm-hmm. and not, yeah. not picking a side that they can grab onto. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's very helpful. Okay. So for the person listening that may identify with some of this, uh, what would you have, what guidance would you give them for dealing with this, um, this personality disorder for themselves, for like themselves, yeah. treatment recommendations? Like in dealing with any difficulty, and uh, particularly a loved one who's ill, medically or psychiatrically, one always has to be able to take care of themselves. Because if you cannot take care of yourself, you're not going to do anybody else any good. And part of that, I think, is also thinking about their own boundaries in terms of of Mm. what they can do, Um, including um, the uh, whether they can maintain. Um, the relationship. Um, I think in many cases, if you set good boundaries, okay. you can have some sort of contact with that demanding mother or difficult uh, friend or neighbor or something. But in some cases, if it really looks like it's not working and it's taking too much of you, there is a need to kind of uh, walk away from it. And that mm. happens, I think, when the other person is not having any insight into what their contribution is, where the reactions continue to kind of get mm. redundant and such. But one has to make sure you're not contributing to the redundancy. Mm-hmm. It, you know, getting you could get in, in a, into a loop of, say, support system. You don't love me. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Uh, as opposed to saying, okay, that's not going. So really, I need to get back to the empathy. I can understand, given the, the things that have happened to you, why you feel that nobody can possibly love you. I think I understand where you're coming from, from that. And that it's hard for you to understand that I really care about you. So you don't want to get caught in those loops where you're trying to convince something, where you really need to take a step back. Um, but there are going to be cases um, and of course, there's always the 
and again, it's, but I think you want to be clear in yourself of what your contribution is and what you can do. You know, you want to put your limits on, but also yes. make sure if there's a contribution. I always used to hear his, um, uh, my first wife was borderline. You always hear that my first, oh, my first husband was borderline. <laughs> That's sort of the explanation of why that first marriage didn't work. They were borderline, mm. as if that sort of explains it. Wow. Uh, it had nothing to do with it. Well, yeah. Mm. yeah. What what patterns do you typically see in the spouses of borderline personality? Um, what characteristics or what do they need to work on in themselves to 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 make the situation better? Well, there are a variety of things, but I think the match made in heaven where the, the match is just so glued, at least in the beginning, is between the man with narcissistic issues and borderline woman. Wow. The narcissistic mm. man is looking for someone who will adore him and, and re, reinforce uh, some of that grandiosity. And he sees mm. this sweet young girl who's been terribly treated and has a terrible story of how bad she's been treated in life and just needs someone to take care of her and is desperate for fear of being abandoned mm -hmm. for a, that big, strong man to come take care of me. And I can do that. I'm that big, strong man. And for the borderline woman is someone here he is, and he's going to take care of me and I won't have any problems anymore. He's going to tell me who I am because I don't know who I am. He's mm -hmm. going to sort of take care of all these fears and anxieties that I have. And there's a real attraction there mm -hmm. in the beginning. And, that you know, if if one can see it and work with it, obviously that can be modified. Um, but oftentimes, if if uh, what what eventually can happen, if there isn't much modification, is uh, after a while she's not going to like being the the sweet little thing who's put up on the thing. She's going to mm -hmm. feel su suffocated and uh, manipulated, and he's going to get frustrated because she's not reinforcing my. Uh, how wonderful I am enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, pretty soon it's going to be a real conflagration between them. Right. Um, okay. Mm. Wow. Okay. So, so what I, about I mean, the person? Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, as I said before, people with borderline personality can be very attractive in a right. lot of ways. Um, they're intelligent and they're, and they're fun mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes. And, um, uh, there, you know, that, that fun college girlfriend you had who was, who was wild and crazy and loved to do stuff and, uh, was smart and, and pretty and could do all sorts of things with, um, if that doesn't get where it wants to is where, you know, things get, uh, really difficult. Right. Uh, the same with the guy who is, again, has many attractive features. Yeah. Mm. So you were kind of talking in generalities of male, female, um, do you know the stats off the top of your head? Like that proportionately BPD is more um, female than male. Yeah. And I think that's due to a n number of reasons. Three out of four that are diagnosed are female. Okay. Um, part of that, I think, is a bias in those identifying. If you take a person who, let's say, uh, goes to the bar, gets drunk, um, picks a fight with somebody in the bar, um, starts yelling and screaming and getting all upset. They call the police and, and, and the person is, 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 uh, upset and starts to cry and the police come, um, 
If it's a man, they're not going to call him an alcoholic and maybe an antisocial personality and take him to jail for disrupting. If it's a woman, they may say, well, she's a, maybe she's borderline personality and she's had this upset and I'll take her to an emergency room. So I think there's a certain bias that way that many of the behaviors in a, in a, in a woman, in a man, are seen as antisocial. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, the mood swings and such are often a, more attributed to females than yeah. males. Yeah. But I also think females in our culture have more um, stressors, uh, particularly in certain areas such as identity. When a couple, for example, a male-female couple decide to get married and have children, the the identity, uh, the identification of oneself changes much more in the woman than the man. The man, mm. you know, takes gets a couple of weeks off after the baby's delivered. The wife's the life has changed. Yeah, in terms right. Of her career in terms of, of who who the school calls when the when the kid is sick. Um, women have many more, I think, issues with with changing identity and pressures in a stereotypical uh, life. That's not right. all, but stereotypical right. Right. culture. And so I think there is there are just more stresses on on women as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's good. Um, so what about the person listening who says, "I'm hearing these symptoms. I think I might have this." Um, they can read your book. We'll link all your books in the show notes. Um, not just, um, I hate you. Don't leave me. We'll, we'll link the other ones as well, but, um, talk to that person about what next steps to take. Like, should they seek out, um, a DBT group? Like what, what are the things they should be doing to get well? Well, of course the first task would be to see a mental health professional and get information. Um, and if indeed they, they have that insight, they may want to uh, uh, learn more about the disorder itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think in collaboration with the therapist they see, decide on a treatment approach. And there are several. The, the most studied has been DBT, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. And that's sort of a combination. It's sort of a, uh, an advance on cognitive behavioral therapy, where it's focused on uh, changing behaviors and dealing, uh, particularly with some of the more, you know, w- with a, a constellation of things. With the most serious first, you know, first dealing with any suicidal impulses, and then going from there. Um, it, it, to do it in the way that it's described, however, is very expensive and not and fairly rare. I mean, it was developed in a university setting, and it, in its in its classical sense, requires group group therapy once a week, individual therapy once a week, someone on call twenty four hours a day to make phone calls when there's a crisis, mm-hmm. uh, such things that the typical therapist can't can't do. So you usually see sort of variations of DBT, mm-hmm. and it's really helpful for people dealing with behavioral issues with the tendency to cut on themselves, say, or the tendency to have periods late at night where they feel suicidal and such, where there is some some dealing with the behaviors. Um, another approach is what's called mentalization-based therapy, which has to do more with being able to think through the issues, thinking through what's making them feel this way, and also being more sensitive to the other person. Why is the other person doing what they're doing? And it's based really on what's called mentalization, thinking through some of this, which is less of a cognitive and more of a psychodynamic kind of way. Mm-hmm. Another another one is what's called transference focus therapy, which is a more classical psychodynamic, psychoanalytically related therapy, 
where dealing more, and that's someone who's dealing more with relationship issues and working with the therapist in terms of the relationship with the therapist, being able to, to generalize that to others and looking at more of the, the underlying sources. And that's more, that's going to be more beneficial for someone who wants to go a little deeper into things and work and focus more on the relationship things rather than the particular behavioral things. Mm-hmm. There's another form schema, schema focused therapy where, which is also sort of a combination psychodynamic and cognitive where there's interactions with the therapist using more um, play acting, but, de- but dealing with what are referred to as schemas in the past mm-hmm. and focusing on some of the uh, typical uh, kind of experiences that the individual had in their past that relates to how they're, they're behaving now. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, there's one that's called uh, good psychiatric management. And that was developed um, because to do any of these other therapies, and there are others, but those are the major ones, uh, requires specialized training, it's a, to find a therapist who does it. There aren't right. a whole lot in the country. So uh, a group at, at uh, Mass General, um, Gunderson and colleagues, developed what they call good psychiatric management, which took some of these into effect and basically um, does what they, therapy that they refer to as good enough therapy, mm-hmm. therapy that would help the, the person with borderline personality get better. Okay. And, that, and that involves things like education, explaining what it is, having either group or individual or sometimes both in terms of taking some of the cognitive behavioral uh, issues and, and going through those, you know, evaluating when medications are, are helpful. And although there are no specific medications to treat borderline personality itself, as I mentioned before, there are many comorbidities. So you do, mm-hmm. if you can treat the depression, if you can treat the ADHD, if you can treat the bipolar disorder, that obviously is going to help as well. And that's part of the good psychiatric management. Okay. Um, wow. So lots of options. I think a lot of people get discouraged when they see that DBT is the recommended treatment. And like you said, there aren't a lot of trained DBT therapists or groups uh, that are available in their area. And so they just kind of get discouraged and don't, don't seek treatment, but there are a lot of options that you've shared. Doesn't necessarily have to be a DBT group. Yeah. And DBT has been well studied and it is very effective, but it is not for everyone. And yeah. I think in some ways it's, it's been oversold. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've known people who have not have felt DBT didn't work for them and that made them feel just helpless. Well, mm-hmm. that's the treatment and it didn't work. So um, yeah. um, nothing's going to work. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, a lot of folks with DBT have experienced trauma. So even just doing some trauma therapy could be helpful in processing a lot of what's gone on and, and could lead to, uh, you know, getting well and, and not fitting the criteria anymore for, for a diagnosis. Absolutely. Yeah. Something on the order of a little over 60% of individuals with that diagnosis have experienced severe, significant trauma in their childhood, physical, psychological, sexual. Um, Not everybody, not everybody has had that, but you know, the, the majority have. And so dealing with, with these past things can be helpful. DBT is not going to do that. Yeah. Mm. Deal just with the behavioral, which can be very helpful for a right. lot of people, but not everybody. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So good. This has been so insightful, yeah. Dr. Kreisman. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Like 
I think this is really going to help a lot of people and hopefully give some uh, insight for family members and spouses to help their loved ones, help themselves in these situations because you don't want to lose your loved ones in this process. So, all right. So we're going to close out this episode the way that we close all of our episodes. And that's by asking you this question, rewind back to your first couple years of marriage. And what advice do you wish you would have received? Fill in the blank, dear young married couple. Oh, that's who I've been married 53 years. Wow. <laughs> um, and, um, uh, I wish, um, I would like to tell that married couple to um, continue to have fun with each other, mm. uh, continue to laugh, um, which I think took, takes a little time. Yeah. I guess it'd be good to have it sooner than it takes. The, I, the fact that when you have, uh, when you get angry uh, and it bubbles, it gets to be funny after a while. <laughs> angry I am. And I think telling telling my my young wife and I that um, would be a helpful thing. Love ah, that. Love that. Humor is such a great medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I love that. Thank you so much, Dr. Kreisman. Thank you. I enjoyed being with you today. Thank you. You need more connection in your marriage. So we created a free download for you called the top three ways to connect. We created this after working with literally thousands of people just like you who said, I really crave a deeper and more meaningful bond with my spouse. You can get this recipe for connection by following the link below. Also, if you want some more personalized help or counseling, just shoot us a text 916-678-1797. You can also go to our website, dearyoungmarriedcouple.com for more info. And we'll see you next week.